All right, take your outlines out this morning if you would, and um, I want to, as you're getting ready there, I just want to read some letters to pastors from children. Now, I had to possibly put a couple of them aside, <laughs> but, but you're going to hear some good ones, okay? So... Um, The first one was from Stephen. He's eight years old. And he says, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. (laughs) Dear pastor, I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. (laughs) Yours sincerely, Arnold, age seven. Dear Pastor, I think a lot more people would come to church if you moved to Disneyland. I think so, too. Lauren, age nine. Dear Pastor, please say a prayer for our little league team. We need God's help or a new picture one. Thank you, Alexandra, 10. Dear Pastor, are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class. Carla, age 10. Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon on uh, Sunday, especially when it was finished. (laughs) Ralph, age 11. Let's pray for Ralph this morning. (laughs) Would you bow your heads? Father, I just thank you for this wonderful gathering together of your people today. And Lord, we're here for such a time as this. I believe we're here because you have brought us here for such a time as this to speak to us, to minister to us, to lift us up. And God, we receive everything that you have for us in this service today. Lord, I can just sense your presence here. And and I just pray, oh God, that you'd minister to everyone, or continue to minister to everyone that's here this morning. Anoint our ears that we may hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. You said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Let us hear your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Last week, we talked about dealing with trauma, and we used the life of Elijah as an example of that. And today, we want to continue in that vein, understand and recover from traumatic experiences. Now, everybody in this room at one time or another has had a traumatic experience in your life. And we ask the question, what is trauma? Trauma is an experience of come in a lot of different areas of life. It can come in the form of abuse or rejection or abandonment or mistreatment or betrayal, uh, the death of the loved one, divorce, uh, a violent accident, being a victim of a crime like a scam or something along those lines. And there's other things that we could mention this morning, but you get the drift. But the kind of trauma that we want to be focusing on today is the kind that has occurred when an evil person has traumatized you with their evil, something like an abuse, okay? So maybe you've been traumatized by actions of another person and uh, someone has hurt you. And we want to talk about the recovery process this morning. Every day there's evil people doing evil things to innocent people. Can I get a witness? It's all around us. I know you, you know, all you have to do is just look around. Every day there's an injustice at some time in your life, and you're going to face that trauma of an injustice. 
And we want to talk about that this morning, okay? We want to talk about that this morning. So what does God say about evil and what does God say about trauma in the Bible? Good questions. Now here's the question that is mostly asked. If God is truly, listen to this, if God is truly good, if God is truly loving, why doesn't he just get rid of evil? How many of you would say it's a good question? Why don't he just get rid of evil? Just wipe it out. Why doesn't he, why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? And let me tell you something, that is a good question. But first of all, let, let, we must define what is evil, okay? We always think it's out there somewhere. Evil is out there somewhere. But let me tell you what evil is. Evil is anything that opposes God. Somebody say amen to that. Evil is anything that rebels against God. Evil is anything that disobeys or rejects or ignores God. That's what evil really is. If that's the definition of evil, then all of us have made evil choices in life. Can I get a witness? At one time or another, you know, in the, in the garden, Adam and Eve, when Eve made the choice that she made, when Adam made the choice that he made, how many of you know they made evil choices? And the result of that, it, you know, had, it brought sin into the world. We haven't always done what God wanted us to do and done what's best for others too. Somebody say amen. Think about that. So the answer, God will wipe away evil someday and one day, one day, and send all of that evil to a devil's hell. And you see, the Bible says that, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Somebody say amen. It wasn't prepared for God's people, but for the devil and, and evil and all of that's going to be sent to a devil's hell at one time in the future. And God is going to do that, you know. But how many of you know God is a long-suffering God? And, you know, he wants us all to repent. He wants us all, even though we've made bad choices, he wants us to come back and make good choices. So why doesn't God do away with all the evil right now? Why don't he just do away with it? He could, but God is long-suffering and giving everyone a chance to repent and return to him. But if God did away with evil, he would be taking away our freedom of choice. And you need to understand that. He'd be taking away our freedom of choice. Let me tell you something. We're not puppets on a string. Come on, somebody. God just doesn't pull our strings and have us to do things, but he gives us a free will that we can make a choice. We could choose to love him or we could choose to hate him. Come on, somebody. And that's the choice that God has given to us. So uh, where does evil come from? Evil comes from our bad choices. Let me say it again. Evil comes from our bad choices. Oh, that was an amen light. Evil comes from our bad choices. Amen. Now we're getting with it. That's where evil comes from. It's the bad choices that we make. If God took away my, uh, away my freedom to choose, your freedom to choose, then there would be no evil in the world, okay? Everything would always be good, and you would have no choice, but you'd have no freedom either. Come on, somebody. So let me give you a backdrop. First of all, God is love, and you were created to be loved by God. Somebody say amen. God wanted a family. God wanted children. So God made you that he may love you, and also that you may love him. And then the second thing, God wants you to love him back. You see, every parent understands that. The issue, love cannot be forced. You cannot make people love you. Come on, somebody. 
you know, you, you love you, uh, you know, divorced people, uh, folk, they understand that. You can't make someone fall in love with someone and stay in love with someone. How many of you know it is a choice? It's a choice that people have to make. It is a choice. Now, if there's no choice, then there's no love. And it, doesn't that make sense to you? If there's no choice, then there's no love, you know. You have to have a choice to choose to love, okay. So then I cannot love God unless I have the freedom to not love him. Come on, somebody. If I have the freedom not to love him, but I love him anyway, then that's real love. That's what love is, okay. And we need to understand that. And we don't always choose to do what is right. We choose sometimes to do what is wrong. We are free moral agents. We're free to make choices, but not free from the consequences of those choices that we make at times. So in your notes, number one, write this down. Go to the next slide. Making wrong choices comes sin and death. Making wrong choices comes sin and death. Sin came into the world because of what one man did. His name was Adam. Everybody say Adam. And with that came death. Notice because of the choice that Adam made, it brought sin into the world. It brought death into the world. The soul that sinneth shall surely what? Die. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. And think about that. Romans 5.12 says sin came into the world because of what one man, Adam, did. And with that sin came death. Now, did you know before Adam sinned, there was no death? Come on, somebody. How many of you know, even, even after Adam sinned, that people lived to be 900 years old? <laughs> wow, think about that. Wow. Now, you know, and, and, and as I think about that, Adam could have lived forever. But the moment that sin entered the picture, evil entered on earth, and God says, I don't want you to live forever on planet earth. Come on, somebody. Because planet earth got messed up when Adam brought sin into the, into the earth. I want to live forever, but not where there is sin and death and all kinds of evil. Can I get a witness? Now, you know, just listening to the radio today, coming in, listening to some news, and another shooting in New York for a police officer, you know, and you think about that, like, what in the world is going on? And the people that are protecting us, you know, uh, are are getting hurt by, by, by people, and you wonder where people's heads are today. And it's like, well, what is going on? Okay, it's sin. Everybody say sin. Say that choice that someone made to shoot a police officer, that's sin. Or to shoot anybody for that matter, that's sin. I mean, shooting somebody for no point reason, that's sin. Come on, somebody. And it's sin, it's a bad choice that someone makes. So where there is suffering, I don't live on a planet where there is suffering and sorrow and sadness and sickness and disease and depression and sin. Come on, somebody. And we know we have it on planet Earth. We have it here. Why do we have it? Because of the decisions that many make, we have that. Sin created a lot of problems for us, and none of them were in the Garden of Eden. Come on, somebody. So our choices bring a lot of our problems and sin into the world. Number two, go to the next slide. Everything on Earth is broken by sin and evil, by evil and sin. Nothing on this planet works correctly all the time. Why? Because of sin and evil. Relationships were broken. Our bodies are broken. The economy at times is broken. Jesus warned, warned, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. Why? 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 The planet is broken. It's not heaven. 
And as long as you live down here, there's going to be death and sorrow and sickness and all kinds of problems and pain. I wish we could have a different report for you this morning, but but folks, if I try to give you any other report, I, I, I wouldn't be true to what I need to be true to. We live in a broken world. Somebody say amen. It's not heaven. Our planet is broken. Nothing works perfectly. Matthew 24, 12 says this, there will be more and more evil in the world, so most people will stop showing their love for each other. And that's exactly what I'm seeing happening today. We're living in the last days. Somebody say amen. amen. Number three, next slide. God grieves when he sees us hurting. God grieves when he sees us hurting. How many of you know God has emotions? Amen. You know why that we can say God has emotions? Because we were created in his image. And we have emotions. And God has emotions. Come on, somebody. Now, Genesis 5, 6 says, in Noah's day. Everybody say, in Noah's day. And you know, it says, in Noah's day, it's going to be like the latter days. Or, you know, in, in, you know it's like it was in the days of Noah. It's going to be in the latter days. We're then those days. The Lord was deeply grieved that he had made man, and his heart was filled with what? Pain. It pained him. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus did what? Wept. wept. Jesus wept. He cried. You know, a loved one of his, you know, Lazarus. And, 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 and when God sees you in pain, he grieves. Isaiah 63, 9 says, in all their suffering, he, God, suffered too. God suffers with us. Somebody say amen. He suffers with us. Psalms 56, 8, you, Lord, keep a record of my sorrows. You collect all my tears in your bottle and list each one of them in your book. God has counted every tear that you have ever shed. Come on, somebody. Think about that. Every tear that's fallen from your cheek, God has counted it. God knows where you are. He has the very hairs on your head numbered. Let me tell you something. God, you know, knows when you're hurting. Somebody say Amen. And in Psalms 56, 8, in your notes, you, Lord, keep a record of all my sorrows, all my sorrows. Think about that. God pays attention to the details of my pain. God pays attention to the details of the pain that I have in my life. God cares about your pain. Come on, somebody. And you know what's what's interesting about God? You You know, he not only feels your pain, he can do something about it. You know, somebody can feel your pain. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. But let me tell you something. Uh, a lot of times they can't do anything about it, but God can. Amen? God grieves when he sees us hurting. He sees your pain this morning. He knows where you are, and he hurts too. Remember, Jesus knows about suffering and pain and trauma. He knows how to comfort us. Why? Because he's been where you are. Come on, someone. Number four, next slide. God will judge everyone justly one day. I want you to hear exactly the way I worded that. God will judge everyone justly one day. How many of you would agree that there's some injustice in our world today? You know, some of us have seen it firsthand. It's like, that is ugly. How many of you know racism is ugly and injustice is ugly and things like that are ugly? Come on, somebody. It's ugly. But, but God, he, he is a God of justice. Evil will not always get away with evil forever. 
There will be a judgment day. Come on, somebody. There will be a day coming when folk will be judged for what they did. And you might say, well, they're getting away with it. They may think they're getting away with it. They're not getting away with it. God will judge them. God is not just a loving God. He is, a, he is lovingly just. He's both. God is both. God cares about justice more than you do. Come on, somebody. People cry, I want justice. I want justice. I want justice. You will have it one day. You will have justice one day. It will, you will have it one day. Okay, look at Hebrews 9.27. God has appointed every person to die. How many of you know, and, and after that will come the judgment. How many of you know that there's two things that are going to happen? You are going to die one day. Unless Jesus comes back, there's only two people in the Bible that didn't die. We talked about one of them last week was Elijah. That's the thing he feared was, was dying. And God says, okay, I'm just going to take you on up with me. You don't even have to die. Come on, somebody. That's the way, kind of God we have. But, you know, it's appointed unto man wants to die. And then after that comes the judgment. Everything that you have done wrong, you know, you're going to have to stand and give an account for it. Some people think God doesn't see my sin. Yes, he does. He sees your sin. Look at the next verse. Hebrews 4.13, nothing can be hidden from God. Mm. <laughs> nothing can be hidden from God. Everything in all creation is exposed to his eyes. Mm. Mm. And each of us will give an account of our lives to him on judgment day. Can I get a witness? Uh, whatever that is. You know, you might say, I've done that in darkness. There's no way that God could have seen it. God saw that. God has eyes that he can see that. Amen? Amen. Number five. Number five. Number five. God can bring good out of bad if we trust him. I love the song this morning. Boy, Jacob, wasn't it? Jacob and the worship team, weren't they right on? Let's give them another hand. They were just right on this morning. And how God brings good out of bad things in our lives. See, bad things are going to come your way. They're going to come your way. You're going to come your way. But God can take a bad thing and turn it around. Come on, somebody, if you can trust him. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. We've got to trust him. Because, you, you know, we live in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. Amen? And we're affected by the world. Okay? We need to understand that. Look at Romans eight twenty eight. My favorite verse of, uh, in the Bible Notice this, we know that in some things, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and we know that in most things, well, thanks for correcting me, and we know that in all things, mm, God works for the good of those who love him. Mm, think about that, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, God can turn your traumatic experience into a glorious triumph. And I, I, do, I don't want in any way belittle or in any way, uh, you know, uh, say anything less about what you may be going through. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Whatever that you're going through, God can turn it around and make a triumphant thing out of it. Oh, let me, let me just say this. God can take your broken pieces and give you peace. That's what God does. He takes your broken pieces, and he gives you peace. And so what you got to do, you got to give him the broken pieces, all the broken pieces, and you give it to God. You give it to God, and, and you cast it, and you cares on them, and he takes the broken pieces, and he gives you peace. 
peace that passeth all understanding. Somebody say amen. Mm. Mm. I am limited in helping you in your traumatic experiences, but God's not limited. So there's, there's times, there's things I can't do. There's things that, that your spouse can't do. There's things that your children can't do. There's things that those that love you cannot do. But let me tell you something. All things are possible with God. Amen. And he can take those broken pieces and give you peace of mind. Now, you've heard me say that you don't have a testimony without going through a what? Yes. A test. That's what a testimony is all about. It's a test that one goes through. Uh, see, some people don't want to go through the test. How many of you know? <laughs> my brother and I was talking, and we, we were talking about some friends of ours and, you know, that we went to school with. And, and he said, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. He said, you know, I was in school with him. And, 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 and in the third grade, he, he's like 16 years old in the third grade. How many of you know this? <laughs> I mean, we just like, what? What are you doing 16 years old in third grade? You know, how many of you know he just didn't want to pass the test? <laughs> and some of you are still in elementary school. Come on, somebody. And you need to pass the test. See, there's going to be tests that will come your way, and you've got to pass the test to move on up. Come on, somebody. How many of you want to move on up? You've got to pass the test to do that. You don't have a message without going through some mess. That's what a message is all about. How many of you know sometimes you say, man, I've got a mess I'm going through. Well, make a message out of it. Come on, somebody. And that's what God does. He, he makes a message out of your mess. You know, he helps you to go through these things. You know, I may not know why you're going through your traumatic experience, but one thing I do know if you'll give God the broken pieces, he will give you peace of mind. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, there are some first steps in recovering from trauma. And let me just say this. These are not the only steps, just the ones that we're dealing with right now. See, what I'm doing is just kind of scratching the surface on traumatic experiences. You know, and, and, and you know, I can't, there's nothing I can do in two or three sermons that, that would... Uh, that, that's going to cover everybody and everything about trauma. Can I get a witness? But there's steps. You know, we got a recovery going on on Wednesday night. Ron Kovlis and Jimmy Love, you know, are teaching that. And we're teaching it now. We're probably, and, and we will do it again in, in the future. But there's a 12 weeks. We'll go through the 12 weeks and, and take a break for a while and then go back into that. But we're, we're, we're going to, we, we want to help people. And let me tell you something, sometimes, how many of you know knowledge is power? And, and when you have wisdom and knowledge and you're using that in the right way and making some right choices, there are the choices go again. You're making some right choices. You can get the power of God in your life to change some traumatic experiences that one may be going through. If you believe that, say amen. Now, these recovery steps, we must be patient. And each of the steps take time. Everybody say, take time. Now, I, I just want to say that, and I, I want to camp there just for a moment, let you know that, you know, it's just not a, you know, it's just not a bam, bam, and it's so, no, no, no. And even once you are, once you're enlightened, and once that you hear a message that helps you, 
then there is a process, or they would say in Canada, a process, and a way of going through that, a way of getting to the other side of that. Can I get a witness? Amen. It's going to take some time. And, and if, you don't, if you're not willing to invest a little bit of time in that, you're going to stay where you are. You're, not going, you're going to be 16 years old in the third grade. Come on, somebody. I, we're not making fun of someone, but, I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it is funny. I mean, if you think about it. I mean, it's like you're not supposed to be 16-year-old in the third grade. Come on, somebody. You're supposed to get on through life. And, some, and, and here's the thing. We all need each other to help us along the way. Amen? Amen? We need each other to help us to get to the next level of life. And we can't stay where we are. And that's, you know, some of you are jumping up down the same mud hole that you've been jumping up and down in a long time. You need to move on, move on down the road. Move on down the road. Come on, somebody. And, and, and you know what? You, you, you want to be delivered from that? You want victory from that? Don't stay where you are. Now, you, do, you, you need your healing. It's going to take time. I understand that. But at the same time, you need to be moving toward God. Somebody say amen. Well, I needed to say that. See, it's more important for you to go deep into your recovery. Deep into the recovery. And let God help you. Number one, on the screen, accept help and support from others. It is almost impossible for us to recover by ourselves. We need each other. I'm going to say it again. We need each other. Amen. I'm going to say it again. We need each other. Amen. It says amen light. Until I get a good amen, I'm going to keep going there, okay? <laughs> you are not going to get well on your own. We need someone who has been through that to help us to get to the other side. And when someone comes alongside us and helps us, now some of you, maybe God has inspired you and Maybe you're going to the gym now, and, and, and you, you know, you get into those proper exercises and things like that. How many of you know sometimes it's good to have someone come alongside of you to help you? You know, you want to look like Charles Atlas, you know? <laughs> and you better have some trainer to help you to get there. I doubt you're going to get there on your own. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, who's Charles Atlas? Well, that's another story, and if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can, help me out, comfort others. Why does God do what he does for you that you may do for someone else? Mm. Then, everybody say then. Yeah. Say then. Yeah. Then when others are troubled, we're able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. It's a then and when situation when we get involved to help other people. See, God helps us. And then when he helps us, it's when we are going to help someone else. Here's what this verse implies. There are people out there that have been through what you are going through now. That's what this verse implies. There's people out there that's been through what you're going through now. And you need to listen to them. You need to listen to them, okay? You need to seek them out. You need to get their help. You need to get their wisdom and get their support. Come on, somebody. That's what this is all about. Look at Galatians 6.2 and what it teaches us. 
By helping carry each other's troubles and burdens, you are obeying the law of Christ. Now, we all want to obey the law of Christ. Well, here's one way that you do that. When we are going through a traumatic experience, you need a spiritual family. You need somebody else to help you to get to the other side of that, to help you. Mm. How many of you remember in, in Exodus 17, 11, that you, you had this, you know, uh, battle going on, and, and uh, Moses is up on the mountain of God, and he's interceding to God, and, and, and Israel's in a battle, and Joshua has been commissioned to go down and fight, fight the battle. Joshua's down there fighting the battle. And as long as those hands of Moses was up, they were winning. They kept pushing, the, driving the enemy out, driving the enemy out, driving the enemy out, driving the enemy. And then all of a sudden, they, they, they got stuck. You ever been stuck somewhere? It's like, what's going on? We, we can figure out, why aren't we going forward? And Joshua, was, he's, he's doing all he can. And he looks up on the mountain. His eyes get big, and he looks. And Moses is just a man. Everybody say, just a man. His, his arms got heavy and they started going down. When his arms went down, the enemy started winning. So he commissioned Aaron and her, go up there. Aaron and her, her was a him, but her went up there and helped stay his arms up. Amen. And his arms are up and his arms are up like this. And all of a sudden, they won the battle. Give the Lord a hand clap. I told you before that you go through the Bible and you can look at all the scriptures that talk about one another, comfort one another, help one another. And, and, and it's talking about the family. You know, I, I used to love that song that we used to sing years ago. We're a family that loves, 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 loves one another. We're a family that cares, cares, cares. We're sisters and brothers. Through sunshine or rain, we will love just the same. We're a family that loves, 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 loves one another. Somebody say amen. amen. And we need to love one another. So that's the first thing you do. Accept help and support from others. Number two, n- next slide. Focus on what's true, not what you feel. Amen. I know we talk about that a lot, but it's true. You focus on what's true, not what you feel. When you're traumatized, two things can happen to your emotions. First, your emotions can get disconnected. And secondly, your emotions can get distorted. Either of these can happen, and sometimes both of these happen. Can I get a witness? This is what happens. Now, when you've been through a trauma, traumatic experience, emotional pain is unbearable. We, we disconnect from our emotions, and you stop feeling anything. I've heard people say, I'm just numb. How many has ever heard that? I, I'm just numb. I'm just numb to the pain. I mean, the pain is just unbearable. I'm numb. Well, that's a disconnection. That's a disconnection. And, and, and you're dead inside. Why? Because it is so painful inside, you don't feel anything anymore. You, you insulate. You isolate. You, you just don't feel anything anymore, and, 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 and the end result of that is you disconnect. Also, our emotions get distorted. You start believing lies. Now, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, on the screen there and in your notes, Paul said this, 
we are crushed and completely overwhelmed. And we thought, everybody say we thought. And we thought we would never live through it. We expected, you need to underline that expected. We expected to die. Here's the feelings. We expected to die. But, everybody say but. But. Say but. But. But as a result, we learn to not trust in ourselves, but onto God. See, your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings get disconnected. And sometimes victims in trauma end up blaming themselves. This is my fault when it's not really your fault at all. So you're disconnected. You're, you, you know, you're, just, you're disconnected. You're disconnected. You're disconnected. You got thinking, I'm a bad person. You're not a bad person. Especially if somebody's done something to you, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them. Amen. They did it. You didn't do it. But you're feeling the pain, and because of the pain, you've disconnected. That's why, that's what happened to me. There, there's something wrong with me. You start thinking things like, there's something wrong with me. And the blame game, you start pointing to yourself. Hey, it's me, it's me. I, I know if I hadn't done it, you don't have nothing to do with it. Amen. If some person over here has done something to you, you had nothing to do with that. But sometimes we get, you know, we get this sneaky thinking, as I say. We start thinking in some, what is that? That's not God. That's not God. They're lies. Everybody say lies. lies. Now, who's the father of lies? Not only does he lie, he's the father of them. So if he's telling you it's your fault, he lies, so it's not your fault. Just reverse anything he's telling you. Come on, somebody. Because he can't tell the truth. But when you're in trauma, sometimes the victim starts blaming themselves. And you know what? The antidote, the thing that will turn this thing around, the antidote is what Jesus said in John 8.32. To know the truth will set you free. You need to listen to truth and not to your feelings and the lies. Come on, somebody. And then you start getting things from God's perspective. Let me tell you something. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. Well, I don't feel like a conqueror. It doesn't matter how you feel. I, I, I don't feel loved by God. Well, I got good news for you. You are loved by God. Now, he may not love a situation or your choices that you make or things like that. He may not like that. He may not love that, but he loves you. Period. He loves you with an everlasting love. See, he doesn't get up some mornings like we do and it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, where's my coffee? Yeah, where's this? And we just grumpy or whatever it is. Let me tell you, how many of you are glad God doesn't get up like that? <laughs> I'm glad God doesn't get up grumpy. Come on, somebody. I'm glad I don't have a grumpy God. Amen. Who do you serve? Grumpy? He's grumpy today. No, God's not grumpy. I know I'm a little being facetious, but you're getting it. Now, when you go through trauma, you need to change the way you talk to yourself. In your notes, write these three things down. Next slide. The trauma is not my fault. We're talking about the kind of trauma that is perpetrated by someone evil. It's not your fault. Everybody say, it's not my fault. 
The trauma is not my identity. It's not who I am. I'm not broken. I'm not hurt, hurting. I, I'm not that, you know, I'm an overcomer. I'm a child of God. Go, go to Ephesians chapter 2 and see what it says of you. You once was in sin, but you're not in sin again. You have been raised and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That's who you are and where you are with Christ. The trauma is not my future. It's not my future. How do you do that? Again, one will need help. And remember, we need a spiritual family. Come on, somebody. We need others around us. One will put 1,000 flight. Two will put 10,000 flight. So by soliciting help from others, it helps you to stay in the right lane. Not in the blame lane. Come on, somebody. You need to stay in the right lane. It helps you to direct your feelings in the right way. You ever see someone going down the road, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen accidents. I've seen some accidents on the road. Matter of fact, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, not, I'm not just watching me. I'm watching that other person. You ever seen someone change a lane, and they, someone was, you know, they, they were you know, the blind side. They couldn't see who it is. I'm, I'm bumping, you know. They're going into a lane they shouldn't be going in. That lane's not clear for them. See, that's what happens to you. Sometimes you're going into a lane you shouldn't be going into. That's the devil's lane over there. Stay out of there. Stay in God's lane. Mm. It will help you see who you are in Christ more than a conqueror. See God's future for you by looking ahead and not in your past. And I've said that so many times. Don't get out, quit looking in that rearview mirror and look ahead. That's where your victory is. That's who you are up here, not back there. That's what you used to be, but you're not, you know, I'm not, but we're not that person anymore. How many of you know the, the enemy tries to drag you back there? Number three, in your notes, write this down. Waste no energy on revenge. Learn to forgive. Now, now here's something we're going to camp on for a couple minutes. Trauma depletes your energy. Trauma depletes your energy. Any kind of trauma drains you of your energy. You're going, to, you're going to need energy to recover, to rebound, and to regain your strength. You're going to need that energy, and you need to put that energy in the right perspective, in the right way. Don't focus on revenge. Why? You're going to need that energy to recover yourself from the thing that you're going to. So if you're wasting energy on resentment and retaliation and revenge, you won't have it for yourself. Come on, somebody. And you're going to need that energy. And here's what you need to decide. Do I want to be bitter or do I want to be better? Okay? Do I want to be bitter or better? Where do I, am I going to put my energies? I want to be better. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to move on, okay? You may say, well, what about justice? That's not our role. That's God's role. Stay in your lane. Come on, somebody. Stay in your lane. You know, let God take care of that. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. Well, you might like to do that, but don't do it. You need to get that out of your mind. Come on, somebody. Well, I'd like to wring their neck. And I know nothing. you've never thought that, but I have. Some of you are laughing. Maybe you have. Boy, I could just spit blood. I'm so mad. (laughs) 
Romans 13 teaches it is up to God and government to exercise justice and enforce the laws. It's not up to you to enforce the laws. You know, I'll give you a good illustration of that. We're driving down the road, and how many of you just, you, you just hate it when you see everybody's lights coming on and everybody's, oh, no, oh, you know, 75, and you're just, oh, you're going good, and what a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And you see all the lights, you know. And, and, and you know, you pull, and, and here's the thing we do. We go, ooh, oh, over here and over here and over here. And we try to get this lane and that lane. Because we, we, we don't want to be back there. We want to be up there. You know, we're, we're going, we're going, we're going. Well, I saw this guy. And I pulled in. I happened to look in my rear, rear, rear view mirror. And I just, just glanced. But I seen those lights that are on top of a car. You better pay attention to that. And I did quickly. I thought, ooh, whoa. <laughs> I'm just, so here's this guy, and here's his cars. They're, they're, they're going around the lanes. This one car goes on the left side. There's no lane there, but there's a way that you can drive. And he's going down. There's somebody else that doesn't like it because he's cheating, getting ahead. So they pull over to block him. Yeah. Here come the lights. How many of you, oh, the Calvary's coming. You know, the lights come on. You know who got the ticket? Not the guy that got over. The guy that tried to stop him got the ticket. He could have caused an accident. So, see, sometimes we want to get in and it's like vigilantes. God doesn't need no vigilantes. Come on, somebody. God doesn't need your help. Stay in your lane. Hmm. Proverbs 16, 12. Well, Romans 12, 19. God says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, and I'll take care of it. Do you see that what's God's job there? It's not yours. And then Proverbs 16, 12. Good leaders do not tolerate evil because justice is what makes a government strong. And governments, and that guy with the lights, he, he, he took care of that that day. And, and, you know, it's going to happen. And sometimes someone may get, you think they're getting away with it. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But one day they will stand for that, especially if they're doing something about violating God's laws. Somebody say amen. amen. So what do we do with all the pent-up emotions? Next verse, Lamentations 2.19. Get up and pray for help all through the night. It seems worse at night. Come on, somebody. Pour out your feelings to the Lord as you would pour water out of a jug. Think about it. Pour out all your frustrations. How many of you know God can handle it? Pour it out. Well, I wouldn't want to let God know what I'm thinking. He already does. <laughs> he knows what you're thinking. Talk to him. Also, one must work through the stages of grief. If a loved one dies, you need to grieve through that. There's a process. You need time. You need time to grieve through that situation. And there's no way for someone else who is not traumatized to understand who is to help them unless they've gone through a situation themselves. Amen. And they've really gone through that, whatever that situation is, they can, they can better help someone else. Number four, in closing, last step, number four, hope and trust. Hope and trust God for strength to recover. 
You can't move forward without hope. Somebody say amen. You can't move forward without faith in God. You have to have faith in yourself. You have to have faith in others you, that, that you can move forward. You know, let me tell you something. What, what happens in this, peril, you know, in this trauma is, is you get paralyzed. Now, folks, there was a time in, in my life when a, a, a traumatic thing happened and I just felt paralyzed. I just felt frozen. I felt stuck. I just felt, you, you know, how many of you know that sometimes you just, you, you don't want to even get up out of the bed. You want to pull the shades and roll back over. I mean, it's just like you're frozen, you're paralyzed. That's exactly that's what happened to Elijah. You know, he, he was paralyzed. He, he just, you know, what he should have been doing, he wasn't doing because he just, he froze on the inside. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He just wants to, he, he comes in like that and wants to paralyze you. Somebody say amen. amen. But look at Jeremiah 29, 11. This will turn things around for you. God says, the plans I have for you are plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. God's plans have hope in future. Somebody say amen. amen. God is a God of recovery. Can I get a witness? Amen. So, so we need to, and there's some other scriptures there. I'll, I'll just go to the last scripture there, uh, last couple of scriptures there. You need to get rid of the fear in your life. You know, Job had it, and, and, and you need to get rid of that fear. And then the last scripture, uh, it, it talks about Joel 2.25. I, the Lord God, will make up for all the years the locusts ate and destroyed. Amen. You know, God's going to take care of things for you if you allow him to do it. Here's the thing you need to understand. If you get involved, God can't. If you're in God's lane, you know what? He'll let you try to do it. He'll let you try to do it. And he'll just, he'll just he's patient. He, you know, he'll, he'll, let, he'll let you get in his lane there. He, I mean, he's, not, he's a God of long suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but all come repentance. What's repentance? It's a turnaround. And unless I repent, I'm going to stay where, I'm, where I am. But when I repent, I can start making headway toward God and God's future for my life. Paul said, in this life only, if we have hope, we would be of all men most miserable. But he said, there's something about hope. The Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we need hope. And I, I want to give you a message this morning of hope. God knows where you are. Worship team, would you come back? God knows where you are, and God knows how to minister to you. Hope and trust God for strength to recover.